Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm delighted to have with me John Pendlebury. So welcome to the show, John. Oh yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for, for waiting, Dan, because I know it's been a couple of weeks that we've been trying to set this up. Well, that probably indicates that you might be slightly busy with your role. Uh, so I'm going to ask you straight away, just tell us a bit about what you're doing and the sort of week that you have doing what you're doing. Yeah, so my uh, my professional role is uh, men's pathway coach uh and I, I'm the head coach of the England under 18 uh, men. Uh, I've been joined, I joined the RFU in late December 2019. Uh, previous to that, I was academy manager with WAS for three years. Previous to that, I was uh, uh, start where I started my full time professional coaching career. I was part of the uh, Leeds Carnegie, Yorkshire Carnegie Academy, where I was a, started out as a volunteer coach whilst I was still playing. Uh, got a little bit more coaching responsibility, um, progressed into a full-time coaching position, uh, working with the under-18s there, uh, working with the senior academy there, then into more of a, of, a, of a lead, heading up the player development there, and then finished where I did have one year as academy manager. But prior to that, yeah, uh, volunteer coaching in a number of different sports. Uh, started out some formal education in coaching way back in 2010 in, uh, in the Open University in sport coaching with the Open University. Completed that undergrad with the um, with Leeds Breckett in 2015, and then I am still trying to complete my uh, my masters of, uh, with sport coaching at uh, at Leeds Breckett as well. So the, that little thing called COVID hit in the middle a little bit, and then. Obviously, full-time professional uh, coaching as well as uh, as well as life and, and family and, and fitting that in, in and around any any continued formal education that way. So yeah, from from being a professional player uh, where I probably would have liked to achieve, have achieved more, but I, I gave it as as good as I could get. But then yes, thought uh, quite enjoy coaching. Want to get into coaching? See if I'm good at it. Got my RFU coaching awards. Did some more. Uh, formal education with the university and then and then really thoroughly enjoying what I'm what I'm doing now and just hope to keep progressing and and, and developing that way. So what's a typical week look like for you and I might just say that uh, uh, Sunday mornings is probably your most important coaching role which you failed to mention. <laughs> yeah yeah I did fail to mention that yeah uh, Hinkley under eight where my uh, my middle my middle child is my uh, my youngest boy yeah so uh yeah, actually a quite important big season for us because it's our last season of tag before we then move into uh, move into one v one tackle next season, which is pretty exciting for, for for the for the whole coaching group as well as uh, and interesting for the whole coaching group, but uh, certainly for the for the young lads and lasses that we we've, we've got in the in the side at the minute. But yeah, so it's pretty much if you ask my wife, maybe twenty four seven rugby, uh, but in that. My week had changed across a year, Dan. Uh, the, the young lads um, that, that we'll work with in, in the academies, the colleges, the schools, the clubs out on, on the circuit, those guys are those guys are in full-time education. The, the training maybe once, twice, three times a week at the school or college. They may be training once or twice an evening with a club or, or with their academy. Maybe, maybe some guys only once with their academy. Some might have... Have two evenings a week with the academy. So my week could look like watching Tuesday evening fixtures, Wednesday Wednesday afternoon fixtures, Saturday morning fixtures, Saturday afternoon fixtures. Staying in touch with with academy coaches and academy managers, uh, looking to continue relationships with with school coaches, college coaches, club coaches that way, uh, and just knowing who our players are and, and where they're at, and, and and trying to spot the guys who've got 
rugby potential, physical potential, athletic potential, uh, just just potential to, to continue in the game. And and I think that is that is important in in, in the RFU. That that is our that is a big part of our job, developing these young players to 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 enjoy the game and stay in the game and, and progress in the game of whatever that looks like. And and they'll all have the different exit points because they'll all exit at, at some points. Whether you exit with a hundred caps or seventy five caps, you're still going to exit the game. Uh, or, or whether it's you, that you find that you have just a, a club career, a school career, but then you progress on through university or or back into your community club that way. But the the main part of, of my job is and, and those guys that are working in the pathway is about those guys progressing on to uh to, to England age group and, and beyond and, and playing representational rugby that way. And then for uh, a senior England team competing and, and winning Grand Slams and Six Nations and getting to world finals and giving themselves every every chance to win it. I reckon a challenge is to help a very ambitious player enjoy their rugby how do you help them do that i think the the, the main part of ours and i think there's, there might be something that we end up getting onto a little bit later on where you've got we, we work primarily with with 14 regional academies across the country there's 14 different ways of, of developing a player there's 14 different ways of, of of playing the game there in in those guys that end up end up playing uh but just us providing our own different environment there's Several, several rugby voices. There's several conditioning voices. There's several medical voices. But then, just all trying to prepare that player for for what is next. What what do they need to know now? What do they need to know in the future? What do they need to be prepared for now in a 70 minute under 18 game on in in under 19 scrum laws? To then what is that's going to look like at, at the open age level? And again, is that going to be open age community level, open age national league level, or open age full time professional Premiership and beyond? level um, but it is just that that experience through the environment that we can i'd like to think create in in the rfu so what sort of conversations you're having with these players when they are in front of you because i mean we'll, we'll jump into that question straight away because you've obviously got 14 different academies and inevitably they're not going to be working off their own template because the, the people who run academies are personalities in themselves they haven't got to where they've yeah. got to by being um being in the mold they've broken the mold themselves in some ways so they're going to have their own approach to a certain extent and you are going to be standing in front of a player uh, 1718 who has been told one thing and you're going to may ha maybe have to tell them something slightly different or say it in a different way how does that work and how does that work positively? Because inevitably you want to be working with these academies and working with the people who run the academies. Yeah, and, and like you just said there, you want to be on the same page with that player in, in, in terms of you're on the same page in terms of supporting them. But our overarching theme, Dan, is, is exploring boundaries in, the, in that 16 to 18-year-old uh, age group. And that's, that's across the RFU. So if, if you get on and see some of the, the work and the framework and, and the literature that's on the RFU website, that, that, that is there for that, that age group. And we get real good support and, and buy-in uh, from, from the academies on that in, in our exploring boundaries. And, and, and by that, it might be you've got 14 regional academies associated with 13 of them associated with the 13 premiership clubs that are in there and that and, and the academy coaches managers and even the the, the first team staff the transition staff that were working they they want them to, to come and experience something different they want the the southern base guys to be to be playing against and, and experiencing what what the what the rugby is like with with the northern base guys and, and vice versa the the best prop in the north competing against the best prop in the south and and also these players that are still exploring themselves and still exploring what, what positions they're going to be playing. And so 13, 14 different ways of playing that then you're coming into another 14, 15th way uh, of playing with, with uh, a voice from myself uh, and certainly working with the forwards and then Mark Mapletoff certainly working, working with the backs. And again, how we can reward and recognise those guys for selecting them into camps, but then a bit of check and challenge of, of where they're at now. Uh, as well as where they need to be in March, if they're going to be selected for our for our pathway for our pathway international age group size, then as well as then going into what could be beyond for 
England 19s, England 20s, uh, senior academies, university super books and, and so on. Can you give me a little bit more detail around what you mean by a boundary? So, yeah, so uh, that that could be a, a, a bit of a perception that the player might have on themselves, a bit of a perception that uh, that, that school club academy might have, have on that have on that player. Uh, sports about opinions. Everybody's making judgments all the time. I'm there making judgments on players to to pick them for a squad, to pick them for a team, and, and everything like that. I think if you're looking the if you look in the dictionary under like what a boundary is, it's 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 a limit to an area. So is that a limit to an area that well, it's pretty definite. You can't play it under 18 rugby if you're 20 years old. So that that's a definite limit. But who's to say that you don't play England under 18s or you don't play academy level rugby at 18 year old doesn't mean that you're not going to be a professional rugby player. You just might have a different journey or a longer journey to get there. Um I know things have, have, have developed as, as more money's come into the game over the years and, and things like that. But, but just to say you, you, you're not starting for your academy or you're starting for England under-18s at the minute doesn't mean that you're not going to play England England 20s when the, probably the pool narrows a little bit more and you are a full-time you are a full-time player in a full-time environment. So just just could be a perceived boundary of the player on themselves who's just just developing and, and doesn't realise what, what they can do with the body physically or what, what their uh, technical, tactical capabilities are. Or could be a boundary that they've put on through a, a previous injury. That Again, they're now, exploring, they're now exploring that boundary. They're now developing, they're getting stronger, they're getting over that injury. The body's stopped growing and it's calmed down. So a number of different things goes, goes into the mix with it that way. But yeah, we... Not everybody is going to play professionally. Not everybody is going to play that high level. We are here to stretch and challenge and reward those guys that have have that potential. But there's always going to be guys that, that leapfrog a player or there's going to be somebody who was in a in a wider squad or in a wider pathway somewhere that ends up ends up coming in and the penny drops or the grow or the change or or the, 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 the develop the strength in, in this area that allows them to progress and, and, and push on. I know it wasn't on the questions I was going to ask beforehand, so uh, I'm going to throw this one at you, and I'm going yeah. to stretch you by asking you what you mean by stretching a player and where the danger is that the player may snap, and maybe that's the proof that they aren't, they aren't ready to step up. So how, how are you stretching that player? I mean, apart from maybe they've got to, they've got to get a bit fitter, faster, um, yeah. Let's think about specifically in rugby. How do you stretch your? How are you stretching these players? I mean, quite, one of the easy one of the easier ones that you'd see, Dan, if you came into a session is we've got the opportunity to invite the the, the better players, the better emerging players from around the country. So already is is even if you weren't a rugby coach, if you've got that group together and you just threw a ball in the middle, you'd see a pretty good you'd see a pretty good session that those guys had organised. It would be faster. I'd like to think it's more, uh, more, more, more technically able, more tactically aware, just in that session on its own. Then, if we are putting in different constraints, uh, different practices, different drills, different breakouts, different smaller sided games, and, and, and different elements, there is just probably stretching them first and foremost through through what they're able to do themselves, where they've got better players in and around them so that they can go and get on the ball more often themselves or they're not having to to maybe do two or three jobs that they might be doing in some other environments that they're playing in, that they know that that is a that is part of my role and responsibility, but it's not it's not in the top two parts of my role and responsibility and, and my job spec, if you like. The, we've Myself and Mark have sat down and across positions one, one to 15, we've tried to break it down of... Let, Let's look at it from from a pop point of view. You're not going to have a career in the game if you can't scrummage. But then, as alongside your scrummaging, you've got your line out lifting and your, and your line out involvement, which is not as important as your scrummaging, but it's a big part of your set piece. But then you've also got your attacking side of the game and your defensive side of the game. And you, but you're going to be hitting a rook at some point. Now, at number ten is going to be doing some of them elements, but they're going to be nowhere near a scrum and they're going to be nowhere near a line-out, I don't think, unless they're coming in for a line-out drive. But what is what does what does their job spec look like? So how are we then challenging a player who might be exceptional in his scrum or exceptional in his passing game if he's a 10 or exceptional in his, his kicking game out of hand? But what does that look like, his kicking game on the run? What does his, 
his ball carry, he's an exceptional scrummager and he's going to be picked for his scrummaging. But what does his ball carry look like? Because we can't just have a, a, a player, a prop on a pitch that goes scrum to scrum to scrum. We can't just have a number 10 who just likes kicking out of hand to, to the touchline. Uh, he's got to be able to, to run past kick. He's got to be able to understand when, he, when he's going to kick on the front foot, kick on the back foot. And and just, just developing them that way, uh, environment, uh, that, that we can create within that again like I said whether it's it's through the, the pace and the technical tactical ability and the, the physical uh, ability and potential of the players around them but but I'd, I'd added to that some of the uh, some of the other bits that we might want to be able to, to support the guys uh, off pitch as well but with with like a, almost a drop down menu of you're a prop this is number one this is number two this is number three a hundred other things underneath it, but you've got to be doing this. You're a number ten. You're a number fifteen. You're a you're a back row forward. What what is your what is the top of your job spec that way? So the stretch comes from understanding the player individually. Obviously, you will have information coming in. You'll see them. You say, yeah, you can do this well, this well, this well. Let's explore this. So that's a stretch. Now, um, if a coach comes to watch a session, are you suggesting that the the activities, exercises, drills, games, whatever we want to call it, whatever uh, style they are, they are probably not much different to what you'd see at club level in terms of organisation. It's just that um, with better players, our expectations are higher and um, that's that's the difference. Yeah, and, and sometimes it might be... We're running this. We're running the same sixty-minute time, and we've got the same sixty minutes, seventy-five minutes to work with them as what guys have on a in a PE lesson yeah. on a, on a Monday morning in a games games afternoon on on a on a Wednesday on a on a Friday evening at, at club. And but it might be that that we can get through more reps. It might be that we have players who've got more more ability to to repeat the efforts. Players who've got more ability to. To, co- to concentrate and, and and can maybe deal with two or three or four different progressions or regressions rather than maybe just just one or two or maybe a progression over over a week over two weeks over three weeks and you only see you only see three progressions over three weeks or you might see one progression over a three week period and I think it's just exactly that done same same practices similar practices uh, same dimensions of the pitch. Uh, same same numbers on the pitch as, as what the guys would be working with at under 16 and under 18 level, yeah. Slightly different laws to those guys at under 20 and senior, but yeah. Okay, well, I think that's uh, probably refreshing for people listening in to know that uh, you're, you're not going to see something completely different there in terms of the activity. It's just the intensity and, as you say, the number of reps they're going to come in. They're not going to drop the ball quite as many times. They're going to be in position more and, of course, they're going to have an enormous amount of expert knowledge, which you don't need to give to them, but you want to uh, talk about. Right, so I'm I going think, to... Sorry, Dan, I, think, I think the other bit, Dan, is, as well, is like, is if myself and Mark, we, we didn't reinvent the wheel when, when we sat down and looked through positions 1 to 15. We didn't find anything groundbreaking that 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 a number 10 a number 15 a number 9 or a, or a number 1 or a number 3 wasn't doing in 1995 when the game first went professional or in the 1970s on a on a lions tour or in the 1900s when prop, props still had to scrum they still had to ball carry they still had to tackle tens still have to run past kick they still have to catch there's nothing different it's it's just maybe that the ball is in play a lot longer. There's there's more players that can do the run pass kick tackle than, than maybe what than what they did. Or they were or they're now being asked to do it more often. They're now being asked to do it against small players, big players, fast players, broad players. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's yeah, it's it's just there's nothing groundbreaking there. The, the, these job descriptions, if you want to call it them, or a, a job spec. They're still the same as what they were years ago, and they're still the same for a, an emerging player at, at 14, 15. There's is, is the same at, at the top end. It's just done more often to a higher quality, to a higher standard, or a, or a greater expectation, I'd say. I think it's a cliche uh, which has been often used is uh, the simple things done well. And uh, it is sometimes uh, coaches can be looking for the next big thing or the next great thing. Mm. That's sometimes a mistake because you forget to do 
the things which are which are part of the job description. Now, that's not to say that the job description can't change, and it's part of your stretch and uh, stretching and exploring boundaries. You're listening to a Rugby Coach Weekly podcast. This is part of the rugbycoachweekly.net website. If you click on the rugbycoachweekly.net link, you will find out more about this podcast, but also find access to over 3,000 pieces of content covering drills, activities, games, coaching advice, and lots more to help you and your team with your rugby and your rugby coaching. So why not pop over to rugbycoachweekly.net to find out more and access all this amazing content. In the meantime, back to the podcast. Okay, so I'm going to completely flip it, flip it. And you are sitting there as the England under-18s coach. You're just about to play. Who's your next uh, match against? Next match is, is France in March. Right. At home. At home. So uh, it's even significant that you said at home to uh, to that because um, we're all competitive. Uh, someone's going to look at that score and uh, there's going to be this judgment on that score. Um, you want to pick the best 23 players in England of that age group. Are you selecting them to win matches? No, not, not, not necessarily. And I think it's... Might surprise people. It, it might not. I think what we will see is we're certainly not done going out there to lose. We're all going to be trying to set up a team to give them every opportunity. But we're always looking at what that that performance or or what we've worked on through our September, October, November, and February camps to see if that can come through in the game when we do play them on the on the seventeenth of of March next next year. We, we like to call it targeted winning, uh, winning development. And, and what that might look like, and for, for a couple of, couple of different reasons as well, is there's two there's two squads that we pick at under eighteen level. Dan, there's a under eighteen year thirteen, if you are born September to December squad. So we call that the, the England under eighteen men's first uh, of September squad. We also have a uh, under eighteen men first of January squad, and that's because of the. The, the depth and the playing pool that we've got, trying to keep it narrow, trying to support opportunities. These guys exploring boundaries. We've got players exploring different positions. But then as well, you've got a guy who could be born on the 1st of September in the same age group as the guy who's born on the on the 31st of, of August and, and everything that, that goes with that in terms of maturation and development along the way. But yeah, we're, we're not going to set a team up to fail or to, to not be in the best shape or, or to give the best. But yeah, we're... We're really interested in what we've what we've been working on and why we've been working on and, and how that does that come through on the pitch. And it might be through a different team in the second half to the first half, different combinations picked in the first game against uh, France and different combinations then picked two weeks later against Wales when we when we play them uh, when we play them over the bridge. And if we had Ben Darwin sitting next to us, uh, he's uh, for those who don't know him, he's um, He's built up quite um, a database on how teams work well with cohesion. And the more you play together, the easier yeah. it is to <clears throat> play together. And I think we recognise that. Uh, that obviously creates problems for you because we, we know that the more you play with somebody, the more you understand them, the more comfortable you are with them. I mean, it's, it's no amount of training outside will change the fact that you make those connections this must be a challenge when you are trying to uh, mix and match players because they've got to have the opportunities. They, they, they have. And the, one of the other harder parts is it as well, Dan, is these guys, it's not their, it's not their job yet. It's, it's a massive passion and it's a massive ambition for them. Some of them don't want to be professional rugby players beyond England 18s or, 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 or academy level or, or maybe schoolboy uh, club level. They just want to. They just want to go out to, to the big bad uh, bad world that way. But for for those for those that do, yeah, we 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 might be fortunate or very very lucky, uh, and all the stars align. Is if you're thinking, yeah, we've got a, a future England number nine and a future England number ten, and they're going to play together at England 18s a year young, England 18s, 
England 20s for two years and then they're going to progress. That's it's not very often that that might happen. Or, or another example could be a hooker who's able to create a, a relationship with a, with a second row forward or a, a one, two, three as, as, as a front row. It's, it's not often you're going to get that. So there's that side of it. But then there's also working with all the stakeholders. And I keep mentioning it again already tonight is the, the schools, the clubs, the academies is we might not choose to invite a player to a camp because it doesn't fit with what they've got going on academically or where they're at in a, in a, in a different mental stage. It might not be appropriate. We might see high, high potential in a player, but it might be that there's a few other bits going off in his young life at the minute and it's not right at that moment in life to, to pick him in. So then I'm, 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 uh, I'm in an England session at Bishop Abbey and I'm thinking, well, I'd like that player to be with that player, but he can't come to this camp or we've chosen not to select him for this camp and, and he might not be available for the next camp for, for whatever reason. So there's sometimes that in the mix, which then comes back to is, well, if these guys together, yeah, I think we're definitely going to win or they're going to give us every chance to win, but I'm never going to see these guys together because he's a September boy and he's a, he's a January boy. And you're trying to, you're trying to manage it that way. But just like anything, we, we want the guys coming in, enjoying themselves that that'll create cohesion, uh, seeing uh, reward and recognition, that's going to see cohesion. Uh, achieving something, that's going to, working together, working hard. And, and I think first and foremost, seeing development and progression in himself and, and, and enjoyment and taking enjoyment from that. And that'll certainly create cohesion, I'd like to think. And I hope that that's what myself and, and the staff group try and, try and support and offer and foster, really. It's a very difficult situation. And uh, sometimes you've got to make the best of, best of what's in front of you it sort of uh drives me into a completely different question uh again to any of the ones i've put in there so just be prepared for this one um just in your experience teams preparing for a saturday game you have the team run and you've got five six subs yeah how do you integrate the subs into the team run effectively so you don't mess up the the start of the game because if you say right we've got to get this the this this the the other scrum half involved or the other fly half involved but you've only got limited time you maybe you've got about say 10 minutes for a team run i i mean how to get that balance right and especially say like on a on the match day itself how often do you flick in the subs uh during the the sort of the the team run through and again the team run through is only going to be for a few minutes I mean, I think I think this is a problem which I often consider, and I'm not sure I know what the right answer is. Hey, and I've been involved in team runs as a player where the warm up has been far, far, far longer than what the actual rugby session was. <laughs> uh, I've been in team runs where I've I've been in team runs where I've probably gone anaerobic because you've worked that hard, where there might have even been a bit of contact, or or you've even just maybe stood around and thought, yeah, actually, I've warmed up, but then I've not done anything. Yeah, I think. Different ways, and something we might do is with the under 18s is as part of the exploring bit as well. Is 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 attack it from from different ways. It might be we start with those bench players or those replacement players starting the team run, and then allowing maybe a little bit of confidence in the starter players to get a few more reps than what the the the, the replacement players get. But then you get the the starter players finishing the the team run off. For example, you're going to run. You're going to run ten sets. Uh, the, the bench, the bench start off with four, and then the and then the the, the starters finish with the last the last six and build a bit of confidence. It could be that you you swap in two or three players every every phase or every other uh, sorry every player every other uh, phase. Again, it could be that you that you split it in in half because you know first half the team is going to look like this, second half the team is is going to look like. I think there's a number of different ways, and that's up to up to the coach and the players. The, the the staff group that's organising that, and it might just be the one coach who's organising it because that's all you've got. You might have you might have a full team, and, and, and just knowing what your players need, Dan, or knowing what your players need at, at that moment in time, and it might be for for one reason or another that the starter staying and the starter staying all the way through because that's what that's what those guys needed. But you might be knowing that you've got a game. And we did something like this in South Africa recently in August knowing that you've got a different team starting and a different team playing and guys getting more game minutes 
in game two than what they're going to get in game in game one. But knowing that, let these guys focus, get some confidence, because there's a lot of nerves here. This this player's going to get his chance, or these players are going to get their their chances a little bit in three four days' time when we're playing game two. I don't, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. Probably, <laughs> you sat on you sat long. very well on the fence there, and uh, yeah. but you've, you, I, I, I think the, the the interesting takeaway there is maybe in the team run, start with the bench players, um, to give them a bit of um, uh, an idea, we, but then finish yeah. with the the first. One thing team. we one thing we do try and promote is that that the players take ownership massively, and and that could be that that you're the reserve, I'm the starter. That, that Dan, you come up to me and said, John, let's swap out. I'll swap in for the next two or three reps. And it's like, yeah, do you know what I mean? We've got that good camaraderie together. We've got that might be competitive rivalry, that, but I've also got that respect as well that, you, that you're here to, to do a good job for, for, for yourself and to improve and for the team. And, and then you swap in for a few and then, and then we swap back. So the players taking ownership of their own of their own game and the players taking ownership of, of their own development. That That is something that, that we would promote massively Yes, it might be that some of the players are a little bit shyer than others and uh, are, are quite backwards at coming forward. So we might have to force them and nudge them and say, Dan, have you swapped in yet? Oh, no, no, coach, I haven't. Well, you might want to, lad, uh, yeah. and do it that way. OK, so I'm going to go back into the question. So I threw you out one there and uh, luckily you, 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 you tripped along the fence and uh, gave me a few, few ideas. Uh, so we've been talking about uh, winning and we've... Um, We've got different attitudes to winning because yeah. in order to develop the players, you've got to give them the chances. So if you're in a, if you're in a tight game, you will make those changes uh, at, at half time, whatever, because it's part of the development. Now, um, the, the problem is often for players is that they see their minutes on the pitch as their chance to impress. And yeah they will want to be doing their very best, but they may pick up a knock and they will want to play on through that injury. It's yeah. very difficult when you can see someone is struggling and you say, so, you know, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm fine. I'll get through it. Yeah. At the top level, it's even more difficult. What are you doing to help them and deal with that situation? Yeah, there's there's a few things on that and, and it... it... I'm I'm fortunate. We we've got the full we've got the full team of rugby coaches, strength and conditioners, uh, me medical team. We're all working together on the uh, on on the pitch on 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 the weekend when when we're playing or the game days when we're playing. We've also got the the backroom staff and the support team and logistics and everything like that. Where where we are fortunate as well is that we're able to do an awful lot of data gathering and, and information gathering and, and knowing our who our players and what their injury history might be, where they are in their development and the maturation uh, through some, some data that we're able to, co to collect that way. Also through some, some, some physical testing and some strength markers and knowing what they can tolerate. And again, a big part of, of this is, is the play, we're playing 70 minutes, we're not playing a full 80, but how do we prepare them playing a 70-minute game to play a full 80 in the future? What do the demands look like at schoolboy level versus age group level versus under 20 level and so on. So we're fortunate that way. And I'm fortunate that I can rely on an expert doctor and an expert physiotherapy to, to give me his opinion. But within that, like you say, you've got the player who doesn't want to say anything because he doesn't not want to get picked. He doesn't not want to come back to the next camp. He doesn't want it seen on his, do you know what I mean? He's oh, John, John's going to think I don't want to do it or, or whatever it is. It's, it's never that. So I've got to get to know that player myself and, and know, know him. The player's also got to get to know himself and what might just be sore, but it's okay. Or no, this is sore and it's not right. And and, and reporting. And yeah, we're, we're never going to put anybody in arms or anything like that. We're, we're still under an awful lot of the uh, the age group laws as well in terms of recognise and remove. We've just probably got more people able to spot some of those things or we've got more people able, able to spot or make a, a genuine physical assessment on the pitch in a short space of time rather than you're going to take little Johnny off the pitch to the side, sit him down, right, let get catch your breath and then we're going to see if you can get back up and, and run it off. If you can't, it doesn't matter, we'll see you next week. Um, but the education piece around those guys, uh, 
again through the the, the expert coaching team and, and, and off-field team that we've got of, of just their self-awareness of prehab and rehab what why you why you're doing a certain exercise in the gym and what that prepares you for why you're doing a certain warm-up exercise why you're doing your, your, your safe contact practices your safe scrum practices your safe jumps and, and high ball catches to then protect yourself but then also protect protect the opposition as well uh, and then as part of that we'll have reporting systems where the guys will do a bit of a an MOT every morning. We've got a training session at 10 o'clock, but the guys have already started a bit of an MOT and a self-check at half past seven in the morning. Uh, and that might be, sounds sound stupid, but one of the exercises is, is a sit and reach. Can you can you touch your toes? Can you can you put your hands past your toes? That's then giving you a measurement of your, of your hamstring length. If that hamstring length is different to what it was yesterday or earlier in the week, you might be a red, amber or a green or whether you can, can train that, 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 that morning at, at 10 o'clock. So, then when the player has got a good awareness of where their baselines are, is certainly going to inform them of, of then if they are going to have a professional career, that's going to be at least five days a week for the next 12 years of, of the rest of of the rest of your, your, your playing career that you're going to be doing an MOT every morning before you come in for work. I think that's really, it's not refreshing to hear, it's very reassuring to hear um, that this is happening because the players knowing themselves is a very important part of, uh, I mean, it's a life skill. And knowing when things aren't working out, um, and how how then to to deal with it uh, mentally as well as well as physically, and I think this is important. the The thing that you said about knowing the players, I'm guessing this must be really difficult because you have so limited, so much, so limit, some few opportunities to spend time with them, to get to know them. Uh, and to get to an understanding, I suppose some of it is your experience of when you're with players, you think, ah, oh, this is this sort of player. How are you finding the time or the, what are the ways to just get a better understanding of a player authentically? Just through the, just through the hard work of, of, of getting to know them through, through the time spent with them. Now, actual physical time with the player might only be, the two days that you're in camp or the four days that you're in uh, October half-term camp, the two days that you're then again in November camp and you, and you top those hours and you think, right, that's then that's then four times 60 minutes on, on the pitch plus plus two times 60 minutes, uh, four times 60 minutes across the two, two September and, and November weekends. But before all that, I've watched him play several times. I've chatted to his school coach. I've chatted to his academy manager and I've chatted to his... Academy under 18 backs coach who knows him best or has seen him come through from school level, uh, club level through through DPP. It might be that his club coach has also pro- progressed with him as well. And you're just trying to do that background. And, and like anything as well is, that is my job. I've got to know these players. If I don't know these players. I ain't doing my job, Dan. And I ain't doing, yeah, that ain't good enough for these players either. That if 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 I don't know them, that that's not good enough for them, and and that's that's massively important to me. Massively important to the other staff is that that we do know these players, and we know the backgrounds, and and we know that, that where they're at rugby wise, and and where we think that they can get to, and we want to help them get to. But that's the same for the the conditioners, the sports sites that we've got, the 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 medical team that we've got, and and and, and even the the guys that work in sort of the organisation and, and the kit. And, and, and the team manager, the team manager in operations, that are trying to put on the best, get the best environments for them. That, that, that they're coming to, that, it, that you come to an England session and it looks different and it feels different. That you're playing on a really good pitch and it's a flat pitch and it's not bobbling. You're not picking up the glass beforehand, or you're not having to mark. You're not having to mark the pitch out with the cones because the, the lines are all nice and straight and and little things like that that other environments might not always be able to offer. Um, I think that. Um... Coaches who say jump into coaching straight from playing miss that piece. And it's not because they don't know the people or were keen to do it, but it takes time to understand how you ask the right questions at the right time or sit back and let the player be themselves. You don't have to be some sort of uh, great orator. You've got to be a good listener and listen at the right times and just find those moments. And that's, that's quite hard to uh, be clear on when, when those moments are. It's, uh, and as you say, it's your job 
so you're very keen to do it but it also comes with experience yeah oh definitely i've done years ago when i was volunteering trying to figure out if i was any good at coaching or i was trying to be good at coaching or uh, if i could foster some sort of a career in it that, that ends up paying and, and, and paying my mortgage for the for, for the rest of, of my life as, as well is I've picked up sessions that I've probably seen or participated in earlier that day and then gone and copied and pasted that evening or that that next week and afternoon with with no context or relatability to, to the group that I'm working with but I thought I enjoyed that so I'll go and do it and th- that weren't right, but I didn't know. I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And it's only through getting it wrong to get it right. <laughs> it's only through uh, other coaches sharing and other coaches supporting or watching other coaches or watching other players and getting to know the players and then knowing what, what they need now. And again, I keep saying it, what they need now versus what they need in the future. But then big a big part of it for me was was some of the more formal education that I have done and, and certainly with the guys at up, up at up at Beckett is the, the the who what how is is massive for me and the who is is the players and the coaches that you're working with and alongside the what is what you're doing with them and, and why you're doing it and why, why it's important uh, now and then the how is is out is how you're delivering it uh, and, and is it is it through Zoom? Because that's a new coaching tool we've got. <laughs> as of as of COVID times, is it through a five minute conversation, walking to the pitch or walking back to the pitch? Is it is it five minutes before training to get ready? Is it the sixty minutes that you've just spent on two or three different areas or two or three aims that you that you're getting ready, or you're just looking to progress? And they're, they're the bit they're the big bits for me that have been massive for in my own development and, and even continued development uh, of, of knowing what to do what what to do when and why i'm doing it yeah that that how how to coach piece is it, it sort of gets ticked off on the courses um, and we don't tend to revisit enough well i said we don't i'm talking generally i think coaches probably could always go back and revisit the how and get to i mean the best thing is to have someone actually observe your session and help you cri- and critically feedback in a way that you can then say, yeah, I, I need to change what I do because we all have habits that we slip into that we need to change and we could always improve. And it doesn't matter if you've got the best the best tip to play the game. If you can't put it across in an effective way, then then yeah. you, you're doing yourself a disservice, but also you're not really helping the players uh, to become better versions of themselves. I know that's a cliche, but it's, that's what you're there for. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's hard as well. We we still do it. Me and me and Mark like to catch up briefly straight after a session, listening to what the lads are saying in a, in a in a huddle at the end, to then get the video back and watch it and think, yeah, actually, it went better than what we thought, or it was nowhere near what we thought. <laughs> to then we've got a bit of ground to make up tomorrow or next time that we, that we meet, or or we're ahead. Um, yeah, that, that continued review and reflection piece isn't it I suppose yeah. as well and, and, and definitely knowing what I was like maybe in 2009 <laughs> <laughs> well it's a bit it's scary, it's scary when you think back uh, when one thinks back to some of the things uh, you do early on and some of it you, you're doing for the you're doing right but you don't know why you're doing it right and other things you think you're doing right and actually you're getting it quite wrong and some things uh, are in one of those circles where Apparently, it's okay to do that now, but it wasn't, uh, say, ten years ago. So you have to, uh, you have to fit in and work out. So it's all, it's always happening. I'm going to ask you one more question because we've gone well beyond uh, the amount of time that you were very kindly promised me. And um, the under 18s coach, England under 18s coach, is preparing internationals for the future, and inevitably the top brass are looking down and saying, are you creating the players that we want to um, have? So my question is, uh, how much can you plough your own John Pendlebury version of the game? Or how much do you have to fit in with the senior team's patterns? I'll just, I'll say patterns, but it might be, there might be a better word to use. Yeah. And I think people get, hooked on on that language of whether it's right or whether it's wrong or whether it's a dirty word 
Is it a pattern? Is it a shape? Is it a framework? Is it a, mm. you know what I mean? Is it, is, it, is it a drill? Is it a game? Is it a scenario? Do, do you know what I mean? I, I, I get a bit cheesed off with it, if, if I'm honest. Yeah. It's just coaching. Yeah. It's just coaching. It's just a way. It's not the way. It might be the way to win a World Cup or to, to be a successful in, in terms of developing players. Do you know what I mean? It might not be the way six months' time or four years' time. Uh, yeah, no, we, we've got we've got complete support uh, to, 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 to plough us on, follow us, as you, as, you, as you put it that way. But just probably the, the only... The, the, the only challenge for us as coaches, as as a as a as a challenge set for us and as a bit of a guide set for us as well, is that the overarching theme of of exploring boundaries. Are, are we challenging them in the England under 18s men to ex, explore their boundaries? So exploring in terms of going out to learn and, and better yourself, putting yourself out there, putting yourself under pressure or in a bit bit of uncomfortableness on and what is your perceived limit at the minute or or do you see yourself just as a club player? Could you just go on and be an age group player? The reason I mentioned that is, is ours is exploring boundaries at sort of that 16 to 18 level. 18 to 20 is is looking to uh, tactically adapt to win. So yes, you've got an England, you've got an England under 20 side that will compete in, in an annual uh, Six Nations competition. And points mean prizes, there's bonus points on offer. You can you can finish top of the group, you can win all the games. Uh, and win a Grand Slam, or you can finish top of the group and and, and win. Uh, and there's there's bonus points available for try scored, and there's losing bonus points to get within to get within seven points. So the the tactical understanding and the tactical now, which also as well, the weather's changed. You've been training in fantastic conditions all week, but Friday night when you're playing, the weather's changed. So how those guys experience trying to win a game across across the different elements that that bring or or it might be that certain players are available certain players aren't but then right at the very very top end the the England seniors the EPS squad they are yes about winning because you need a full Twickenham that is then funding the, the game and everything like that you also need a competitive England team that are challenging for six nations grand slams and and trying to get to a, to a finals but what we're then doing within our exploring boundaries and, and trying to get the guys ready to be able to tactically adapt to win, to then go and be able to to win and repeat winning and repeat winning is we 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 came up with our mental model of of SAS uh, SAS being like the, the the special forces team, but SAS for us meaning speed, attachment, and space. Now whether that is both sides of the ball, attack and defence, playing at speed, speed to reform, speed to speed to scan, speed to set speed to get into position, speed to play. Attachment, me being attached to you, me being connected to you, me being in support of you, me communicating with you, and then space, trying trying to score a try, trying to get the ball back, trying to take space, exploit space around, over and through, or, or to take time away from you or take space away from you to get the ball back. And that's our mental model, SAS, that's how we want to go and stretch the guys through exploring boundaries, and then, like I said, the the, the almost the, the drop down box of the the one to fifteen position of, of what they're needing to do now. Um, the senior coaches have, have got an interest. We'll see them occasionally, not 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 too often, because they're pretty busy across their their program and, and everything that way. We'll work more closely with the the men's under under twenties uh, and and getting these guys ready, and certainly for some of the guys. Uh, under twenties, we had we had two uh, year thirteen uh, schoolboys who were still in full time uh, education, but had finished their exams, and it, and it was right and appropriate to give them that challenge to to go on and play for the under twenties out in uh, in Verona this uh, th- this summer just gone. But yeah, th- th- there's interest from from Eddie and, and the team looking down, just the same as there's our interest looking up and, and what that what that game what that game might look like now in six months, but then also trying to guess what it's going to look like in four years, just the same as you're an under-14 coach at the minute, your players in four years are going to be under-18, or you're an under-8 coach at the minute, well, when they get to under-12s, they're going to be preparing for the nearest three that are going to be in a scrum. So you've always got to be looking ahead for for what for what's going on. That Explore Boundaries is something which uh, in another time, when we have a time, is to uh, talk more about and perhaps... Uh, the best way for rugby to be played at all levels is explore boundaries rather than Phil Twickenham and 
win World Cups. Uh, but that's for another time. And should the Hinkley under eights be exploring boundaries uh, and should they have this mental model? But I think the thing about the mental model you've given me there is that, yeah, you've got some very uh, separate themes that probably no one else would have those as the themes, the SAS. But when you drop down, it is very similar to pretty much what every side is going to be doing. It is just helping your players to understand it in a way which make, makes sense to them. So uh, there were some other questions I was going to ask you, John, but um, we've covered some really interesting things from, from where I'm sitting. And I know I've taken a bit off the, some of the questions you were expecting. You dealt with them extremely. Well. See, I've uh, stretched you. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't given you any recognition, but I've stretched, stretched you, explored your boundaries. Uh, that's, that's been brilliant. I mean, thank you very much for, for sharing that. I mean, it sounds a very exciting environment to be involved in. I mean, not least just to be a coach, I expect. It, it is. And I think what makes it, Dan, is is the people that's in it as well. There's, there's, there's some genuinely good people who are very, very good good coaches and practitioners and, and have got a wealth of experience for it from a number of years. But it's because they care. They don't... They, they care that they, they, they want to see these guys push on. They want to see progression, and the, the, but um, but progression looks different for for, for, for different players, and um, boundary is different for, for for different players as well. Like so, but yeah, they, they, they genuinely care. They genuinely want to see 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 improvement, and they just want to support them through what 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 skill set they've got. Uh, and, and and whether they're here, whether they're for a for a, for a short time, a medium time, or a, a long time, they just want to be able to to to, to do their little bit. Brilliant. Uh, well, it's, it's been very enjoyable. So, uh, just to wrap things up, uh, first of all, thanks, John, for your time. That's been brilliant. And uh, just to say to everybody that this is a Rugby Coach Weekly podcast. If you want to find out more about Rugby Coach Weekly, go to the rugbycoachweekly.net click on the podcast tab and you find out more about this podcast and other podcasts. But in the meantime, thank you very much everyone for listening and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks John for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to rugby coach weekly podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to RugbyCoachWeekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.